prayer too. And, you know, as a pastor, my heart is always thinking about the practical things. I'm sorry. It's just it's the way I've been built. And, and, and what I'm trying to, I guess, or what I desire to implement in our congregation is um, that we would be steadfast, not just provoked. Provoked, yes, but steadfast, that we would actually persevere and endure the testing and trials and troubles that come our way. Because so many of these, these things that we find ourselves um, fighting against in a daily kind of manner and struggle, they seek to water down the flame of God. That thing that was ignited in you. Maybe it was Saturday night. Maybe it was Stephen Venable's word. Who knows? Maybe it had nothing to do with the 110 conference. Just that one time where you got into the presence of God and you got so charged, but yet you found yourself the next day losing it. It was almost like, where did it go? And so I want to talk a little bit about perseverance. Is that okay? Is that all right? It's not a glamorous uh, conversation. It's certainly not going to be as epic as last Sunday was, but I think it's crucial to, to hold on or to capture what God may have started in some of your hearts um, through the 110 conference. And so if you would turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. And I just start off with a statement and say this, that God has a unique interest in creating various opportunities for our endurance to grow. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you, John. See, John's always listening, man. Come on. No, but seriously, bro, I don't know where I'd be without you here. I'm like, I don't know if I'm at a funeral, a church, or what. But John makes me know. He lets me know that you are at church, bro. But, but let me say that again if you missed it. God has a unique interest in creating various opportunities for our endurance to grow. Unfortunately, the means of which endurance is developed in us comes by various trials and troubles. And I want to just use one portion of Scripture to capture my main thought here. Let me prop this up. Let me use a little Altoid action. James chapter 1, verse 2. James says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me read that again. This goes right against the, the grain of most of, if not all of our lives, right? When it comes to troubles and trials. Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know, there's something about James's words there that kind of irritate me. If you're anything like me, the idea of having joy in the midst of trouble... (laughs) It just doesn't work like that, James. Hello, it's the 21st, I mean, it's 2016, right? But here James is talking to a persecuted people, and he's saying, listen, there's something in this, guys. There's something to be had here. And and these various troubles and trials are working something in you. 
but we don't like that. I certainly don't like that. I, I'm a, my wife tells me many times, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to air my laundry, if you would. She, she says, you're so miserable, and it's true. I am so easily <laughs> bent out of shape when things don't go my way. Bad hair day, whatever it is, didn't get enough sleep. The littlest things can set me off. I easily, easily lose my joy. But here James says, consider it an opportunity to be joyful. What's interesting about this letter that James is writing to is the people he's writing to. And that is um, what most commentators refer or describe as um, a low-level persecution. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Like, in my mind, all persecution is just persecution. It's bad. I don't care. But, but most commentators across the board describe what this church was going to, that James is writing to, as a low level. It's not high. Meaning there's, there, there's not the spread of illness and disease. There's, there people are not losing their lives. You know, It's simply a persecution economically being suppressed. And, um, and uh, Christians who are being socially rejected. But I think it's, when I say that the commentators across the board say it's like low level, it's really like it doesn't even like reach the height of what some of the early church went through in regards to persecution. I think that in the commentators kind of just pointing to that fact says something to me anyways. You know, meaning there's just some things not to lose joy over. There's just some things that are, aren't the end of the world. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, my life is not being threatened. I, I, as far as I know, I'm healthy. God, you can all knock on wood if you want, find some wood. <laughs> but, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is some of the things are so small, they don't deserve even my attention. Nevertheless, me being robbed of joy. I don't think that the commentators in any way are trying to reduce the scope of pain that these Christians were facing. Any kind of persecution is damaging. It's painful. But again, like I said earlier, this are these troubles that James is speaking of were obvious a thing that these Christians should have not got bent out of shape about. And they should have seen something within the equation of what God was setting up for them. And so let's read on in verse 3 of chapter 1. After James says, Consider an opportunity for great joy when troubles come, he goes and says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. How many of us think like that today? You know, for me, I'm being provoked by the messages of last weekend, but yet this gnawing voice is just, you know, filling my ears and, 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 and kind of just saying, Daryl, you have to grow in endurance. There are so many things that are going to work to 
to rob you from your joy and rob you from even this experience now. Daryl, I want to develop your endurance. I don't just want you, Daryl, to be a hearer of my word. I want you to do my word. And the only way you're going to do my word is if you grow in endurance, if you mature in perseverance. You know, my concern for myself and what I see being a pastor now is that we are sometimes so blinded by the present. The present circumstances just seem to so cloud our vision that until either it is removed or we have some kind of victory, we can't move ahead. We can't make gains. It's almost like we get locked up uh, in some kind of prison. And, 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 and it's not going to, those doors, those prison doors aren't going to open up until we meet with our pastor, you know, or until we pray with an elder, you know. We, we, we totally remove God from the equation. We just say, who can help me? And until someone can help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stay here in this prison. But yet, maybe trouble shouldn't be viewed as a prison at all. Maybe trials, maybe afflictions shouldn't be used or shouldn't be seen as a way to deter us. But maybe we should view our troubles in the light of, God, you are producing something in me. And just for that, just to know that God is doing something, Bob Sorge said this when he did a video about the story of Job. Some woman asked him, where is the grace of God in the story of Job? Can you tell me where it is? And Bob Sorge in his silent voice, because his voice has been damaged, uh, he says, God could have left Job alone. God, friends, you don't want to be left alone by God today. But, but see, we have some false perspectives, I certainly do, uh, on what it means or what it looks like to have the hand of God upon me or to not have the hand of God upon me. And usually those things are measured by pain, sorrows, troubles, trials. Those are measured by if life is good, my idea is God is with me. If life is bad, Satan get behind me. <laughs> but, but in light of this text, and, and dare I say, the whole scope of the New Testament, it is so contrary to believe that you have somehow gotten out of the favor or will of God just because you have troubles and trials in your life. Matter of fact... If you really give yourself to the study of perseverance and endurance, you find that troubles and trials, afflictions, suffering is a huge part of God's hand being with you and God's Spirit doing something in you. But see, we don't like that in the charismatic church, do we? Somehow, some way in the charismatic church, we have hijacked the message of suffering, troubles and trials. Our go-to is it's Satan's fault. Rebuke him. Get them. It's not. It's God's hand. Uniquely putting together circumstances to test those nerves inside of you. Your 
One way or another, friends, if we follow the New Testament through, our nerves are going to be challenged to a great length at the end of the age. Now I'm getting into eschatology, right? Who wants to go there? You know? What I'm saying is, be it by trouble, pain, suffering, afflictions, whatever, or the end of the age, God is going to press us in so much to the fact that Jesus said He has to shorten the days so that even the elect will not get deterred. And so I say, let's excel in, in growing in endurance be it by troubles, be it by pain, be it by suffering. Listen, is this like some kind of like, uh, you know, like a charge to glorify suffering? No. I do believe that the enemy is a roaring lion. He is seeking to destroy us day and day. He, he, it is his occupation. He gives no rest. He is looking for people to destroy. Hear me today. Some of you need to hear that because you've got the devil on your heels. But I'm not trying to do away with that. I'm trying to get us to just see a little bit beyond just throwing the devil card out. And really starting to understand how God uses troubles, how God uses trials to perfect or develop, like James says, perseverance. Let's read on, I think, in verse 4. So let it grow. Isn't that great? He goes on and says, listen, in verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And he just says, so let it happen. Don't fight against it. Don't stop it. Let it happen. Hear me today. Let it happen. Why? Why do we just let it happen? For when your endurance is fully developed, I love that word, because it, it lends to a process that's happening, isn't it? That God is just not immediately saying, hey, Get this right. No, he's saying, listen, I want to develop in you perseverance. <laughs> that gives me hope. So, so this all happens, and we're supposed to let it happen. That's what James says. So let it grow. Let it happen. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, I love this in verse 5. James says this. He says, if you need wisdom, he, he puts prayer into the into the equation. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Pray. Ask. Ask God. You know what I think James is saying? It's like, listen, I know by saying this, a lot of believers are going to get confused. They're going to get confused about where this trouble is coming from. And so, listen, believers, you don't have to be confused. You can go to God and ask for wisdom. God won't Hold it against you <laughs> if you ask him for wisdom. And what is that? How does that apply in my mind? It means when trouble's on my door, I go to God. God, is this you? Is this something that is going to be used to grow my endurance and my perseverance? Or is this Satan? Should I rebu be rebuking this fool? Give me wisdom, God. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. How many people know what I'm talking about? You know, should I just start rebuking the devil, get thee behind me stuff, or should I see beyond the devil and say, God, are you, you, I've had about three different circumstances just this week that I am 
obviously very broken, all have to do with family, oh, very broken over. But I am not just throwing the devil card out. You know, I'm not just saying, oh, th- th- this is the work of Satan. I am asking God for wisdom. I'm saying, God, is this you? Is there something that you're wanting to do in me? So James says, listen, you don't have to be confused over who the perpetrator is or who is trying to bring this trouble into your life. You can go to God. You can ask God. God won't hold it against you. And God will clarify the situation. Try telling that to Job. You know, here's this guy, righteous and upright, blameless, and he is just being devastated on every level. But we see in the story that it was the hand of God orchestrating, giving permission. Where's the grace of God in the story of Job? God could have left Job alone. That is starting to listen. You guys don't want to be left alone by God. I don't want to be left alone by God. And if that means I have to endure or have to take on some troubles and trials in life, I'm willing because I know there's something at work deeper than just the peripheral. Uh, I didn't even say that right. But just uh, beyond what I'm seeing or hearing at the time. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. You know, I think it's funny that whenever you talk to some people that are suffering in their life, you, you, you try to throw out the prayer card, and it's, all, it's almost offensive to them. It's like, like, every pastor tells me that. Don't you have like, any better wisdom and counsel to give me? I, we have a situation in our family where um, there's a marriage on the rocks, and without getting into too much uh, into the details of what's going on, um, this person is going to different pastors, and they've kind of just like shut down because of their counsel. He's kind of like, all they do is tell me to pray. Well, what's wrong with that? No, I, I imagine that some of you are laughing at it, but some of you understand, yeah, that is a bit shallow. You're just going to tell me to pray about it? I think the best prescription that I could give anybody in the heat of of affliction and suffering is go to the Lord and pray. But yet we think it's gotta be it's gotta it's gotta be far more complex than that. That's I've always done it. Have you really? Have you really? And then he goes on to say this: yeah, go to God and pray. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in him alone. I love that. You know, that, that, that irregardless, because now I think what James has done is just separated troubles just being directly connected to the work of the devil. He's just separated that. No, he's saying, no, 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 no. God's hand is in, is in creating various troubles so that your endurance will grow, right? So he's brought God into the equation of suffering. And then he goes on to say, pray. And it's almost like when he says, make sure your faith is in God. He's saying, listen, don't equate God's goodness or your position with God just because you're having trouble in life. Keep your faith in God. Isn't that the thing that we, we sometimes do very naturally? Is 
one of the situations I had was actually with my mom. And, and my dad, is, it's, I can't get into the details I want to, but my dad is angry at God. Angry at God. It's God's fault. Right? I mean, if, am I the only one who has blamed God for my troubles? The quick go-to. God could have prevented it. But when we start to understand that troubles just aren't or don't originate from the devil. Sorry to use that name so many times. Beelzebub. You know, I don't know what other name to use. But if we start to separate and not just give total merit to the work of Satan, and we start to see that God puts together various troubles, we still, we better keep our faith in God irregardless of where the assault is coming from. Keep your faith in God. Honestly, I think James is saying these are not, these troubles are not measured by God's approval for you. He's not saying, I disapprove of you, so therefore you're going to be troubled. He's saying, no, keep your faith in me. You're being troubled because I'm trying to work something in you. Are you following me today? You know, I, I love it. Everybody's shaking their heads, but I've, I've met about with a dozen of you this week. And I know, and it all revolves, which I'm glad to, it all revolves around trouble. And usually, when we get into discussion, the go-to, the fallback is it's the devil's fault. The devil did it. Can I just say that the devil gets way too much credit? He is not that powerful. And here's the deal. When you're facing trials, when you're facing trouble, don't be quick to just blame Beelzebub. (laughs) See it. First, go to God in prayer. Hear God. Keep your faith in God, not measuring your troubles and saying, well, God certainly is not pleased with me. Keep your faith in God. These things aren't being done because I almost feel like James saying these troubles aren't coming because God has changed his heart and his love for you. Keep your faith in him. He's trying to do something. He's trying to develop endurance and perseverance with these low level persecutions. Does that not speak to the American church? So bent out of shape about nothing. You think it's bad now? Read the book of Revelations. Read the words of Jesus when the pressure's really on. I'm sorry. I, I do feel very passionate about that. We need to view these through a different lens. Is this okay? So essentially, James highlights... I changed like my voice and tone and everything. Sorry about that. James highlights for us um, that perseverance is an important Christian virtue. And that perseverance would be developed through various troubles. Let's turn just to the next book over to Hebrews chapter 12. Because we'll just touch upon the example that we have in Christ.
Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I love, I love this. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews, um, but I love the way that he puts this in light of James chapter 1, the verses that we just read. He says in this verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life and faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this? We, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And what does the writer say here? Because of the joy, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Can I just say that Jesus is the champion? He is the prototype, so to speak, of what it means to joyfully endure afflictions. It's it, a whole new world. No, but it, 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 it really is. It's a whole new way of thinking. Jesus, the champion, the prototype, the first fruit of what it looks like to be joyful. He joyfully, the writer says, endured. The shame of the cross. What was awaiting Jesus? What was awaiting him? Well, it was his position at the right hand of God. What's awaiting us? What should give us joy? Friend, this life is temporary. (laughs) I know some of you are living like it's going to be forever. And you're building nice homes and nice cushy little bank accounts and such. But it's going to be temporary. It's going to pass very fast. What was the joy that was before Jesus in enduring the cross? It was His position seated at the right hand of God. Some would say, no, it was the people He was dying for. Wrong. You're not that special. Jesus was seeing, oh, This is nothing (laughs) compared to where I'm going. Where I'm going to be seated, I can endure this. We're talking about the cross, friend. We're talking about a person that was beaten so much that you couldn't even recognize him. But with joy. (laughs) Joy. Oh, I can do this. I almost imagine Jesus... I mean, course, broken down, but in his spirit, just saying, I can do this. Oh, this is not, I am going to be with the Father. And you know what? Those same provisions are for us. Because we, according to Paul, are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If you live your life continually on the present On the 70, 80, 90 years, you may get if you're lucky. And everything weighs upon those years in terms of keeping your happiness and your pleasure at 10 
then you are going to be let down. But let me tell you something that will give you joy. It will give you joy about the elections. It will give you joy about the racism that's going on in our nation. And the hostility that's going on in our nation. It will give you joy. What will give you joy? Because for me, this isn't home. This isn't home. I'll be seated with Christ. Therefore, I can endure anything for these years on this side of eternity. Come on! Where is the church? Where are we with this? Jesus endures joyfully the beating, the shredding of His own body. And He endures it not Oh, I can't believe this is happening. God sent angels. He said, no, I'm going to be seated with God at His right hand. Oh, I don't know, for me, that, that works. That works. That works. Romans chapter 8, this is where we'll land. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, 18. Is everybody all right? Romans chapter 8, 18. Paul says it this way. And here's another verse that I just believe that the charismatics have done such a bad job in interpreting. But it says this, yet we suffer now. We suffer now. So what do we have really to look forward to now? Suffering. We said suffer. In, in, in some ways, for some of us, those will be degrees of which we're off the charts. For some of us, they'll be what is described in James as just low level. Not that important. Certainly not worth losing your joy over. But we'll suffer. But nothing, Paul says, is compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is groaning and eagerly waiting for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. This is not some future power play card on revival. The, the, the world is not groaning for some move of God in the earth. All of creation, and even us, irregardless of where you are in your mind of over the issue, irregardless, all of us are groaning for one thing, Come, Lord Jesus, come. I have two of you with me. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. That's why we're suffering. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. There's only one uh, place that's free from death and decay in this book, and it's heaven. Paul is not talking about some future move of revival. Paul is talking about that day when all of the earth will say, what is that? It will be like nothing. Ever before, jaws dropped, speechless, lost for words. <gasps> He's coming. 
And until that moment, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I, I can endure anything because of my future hope. Or we can translate it like this, our future home. Now, am I trying to bypass the gains that God has for us on this side of eternity? Absolutely not. We're to go into the world. We're not to be found in caves just waiting for a day to come when Jesus returns. We work. We share our faith. We reach the lost. We heal the sick. But with a groan in our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come! I'm not waiting for the elections to set things right in America. I'm waiting for Jesus, the King of Kings, to step on the stage and say, Here I am! And to that, not just the church groans, knowingly or unknowingly, the whole world groans. Even all of creation groans. And it's not for revival. It's for the coming of the Messiah. So my question is today, for us as a church, are we allowing God to develop our perseverance? Our endurance? Are we allowing God to mature us so that we're not taken by every broken nail and every relationship, our bad hair day? Where are we? Where are we on the scale? I ask this of our church because I ask it of myself. I'm in deep concern for the American church. Yes, we're blessed. Absolutely. But sometimes that blessing can blind us. Sometimes those blessings can can provide us a, a full sense of peace and ease where we just get comfortable and say, this is good. I can do this 70, 80 years. Then all of a sudden, the clouds are removed. Christ steps on the scene and you're like, or better yet, let's not even bring it into the second coming of Christ. Let's just bring it into everyday life. Better yet, there is persecution going on in the world and you couldn't even stand because you had a bad hair day and you but barely can even stand because now all of the world's pressing in and you have nothing to do your hair with. I like belong in California, I think. Somewhere else, God. <laughs> but seriously, like, uh, the analogy is humorous, right? It is. It's humorous. But yet, it's really true. It's really true that the most littlest things set us off. What happens when they're big things? I'm telling you, little things will Work to kind of test how your heart responds when those big issues come. Those big things that just can catch you off guard. And so I say, let's master the little things. 
Let's master and let's not live in this life like we're comfortable just on cruise control. Just me and my little family. Can't do much. So stressed out. Life is just so complicated, so busy. But yet on Facebook, it's like, what? Like, you're doing everything. It's no wonder life is busy. I'm a Facebook troll. Be, be careful. I may not like your post, but I look at them. <laughs> I don't really look at them. <laughs> but seriously, guys, so many excuses we have today. It's amazing. Do you know as a pastor, I am prone to use excuses on why I don't want to do certain things. But I refuse to make up lies to make my life more convenient. I refuse to say, for instance, there was a meeting that I was going to have on Thursday that got canceled, but then another situation arised that I needed to be available for. And yeah, easily I was like, I don't know, I want to be with my family. Like, ah. But I'm like, you know what? The situation calls for it. I'm there. Sign me up. Brother, sister needs me? Bam! I'm on like Donkey Kong. Where are we when it comes to enduring and persevering? And even more specifically, when it comes to a weekend like we had last. I, as your pastor, want to see us maintain. And, and, and hear my heart. Listen, if you're going through trying things, I, I can share this message because I heard this week that my mother has cancer. My son has been battling with Lyme's disease in his body now for almost four years. So if you think I'm coming here oblivious to pain, I'm not. I know pain. And I'm not in any way trying to reduce suffering and what some of you may be going through. But here's the deal. There's something that God is doing and I'd rather be focused on that. I'd rather be focused on that than, 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 than all these things that are happening around me and kind of unraveling. It holds me together and it should hold you together. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for this family. God, I ask, Lord, that you would use these words, God, to provoke um, in us, Lord, uh, something, Lord, where we hold on and we persevere in all matters and issues of life, God, where we cannot just be so focused on the present, but we can see our future hope in you, Christ, not oblivious of pain, God, not... Um, not uh, naive, God, that it exists, but Lord, that we, our eyes could be lifted upon Jesus who endured the cross with joy, God, and in our endurance, Lord, in the things and troubles that we face, we could face them with joy also. Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm not going to do an altar call, just leave you with these words and count on God to do the rest of his work. Um, we love you, Hilltop Church. Thank you for letting me um, talk softly, talk loudly, sing loudly, and all these things that I do, and putting up with me. Um, but seriously, take uh, these scriptures home. 
mow over them. I'm not claiming to have the corner market interpretation of Scripture, but look it over yourself and see what you take away. Other than that, remember, musicians, if you're here October 30th, 3 p.m. at the Justice House of Prayer, we're going to have a worship team audition. Allegra's in the back. She'd like to take your